everyone, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I'm Matt. I'm the host, and with me this week is Joe, my co-host. Hi, Joe. Hello. Uh, we're going to be doing some the various things we do in this podcast, like do some of your questions, uh, talk about top stories, and so forth. I think the first thing we're going to talk about, um, and this one's mostly going to be Joe because I think he knows more about it than I do. Uh, there's a new Tracer comic out. There and is, and they they put out a Tracer skin as well. Uh, the new skin is based on the comics, from what I understand, or am I completely misunderstanding? It, it's not really based on the comic. She's basically wearing a comic book. Like, okay, it's weird. Like it's it 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 looks like the pop art gone wrong is the best way I would put it. It's not bad. It's just not what I would have assumed. So, uh, okay. But, <laughs> Yeah, I I actually haven't read the comic yet. Uh, I haven't had a chance to, uh, but it's part of a uh, series of comics. This is just the first one uh, that's out, and I guess the, this is with Dark Horse, I believe. Um, they're going to be doing a series of actual comic books. Now, this is kind of cool because way, 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 way back when, when they first released or were releasing Overwatch, we were actually told that we were going to get a series of comic books uh, further diving into characters and the history of the world and story. Uh, and that was going to be one of the avenues in which they presented the world and that it never happened. And then we were told that oh, we're not going to get comics. They're going to be trade paperbacks. And then, then that never happened either. But now we're actually getting Dark Horse Comics is, is working with uh, Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, as part of like, uh, they're doing the work and Blizzard's basically on as far as like consultation. So it's kind of similar to how like Sony gets people from Marvel to, to now weigh in on the uh, Spider-Man movies. Uh, but it's going to be, it looks pretty cool. I actually like the artwork of it from what I've seen. It's got a very flowy watercolory feel to it. Uh, and I think it's really, really great that they have like a distinct style. Um, but I like it so far, and I, I'm looking forward to reading it as well as reading the others. I'm actually going to see if I can physically get my hands on the first one. Right now, the first one is available for free on Play Overwatch, so you can go read uh, issue one uh, and get a, a more of an idea of Tracer and her life and, and what she interacts with and her interactions with some of the Omnics and things like that. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Did you get a chance to, to look it over at all or no? Not even a little. <laughs> that's fair. That's why I've I was like kind of hoping you had. <laughs> Guess I should have probably asked, but it's it's okay, but I mean it's it's just good that we're getting more content like this. It, Overwatch is a game that really lends itself well to this type of media and like having more comic books is always going to be a good thing. I I love the WoW comic books. I'll eat these up too. Like even if I'm not playing Overwatch right now, which I haven't in a little bit, I'm kind of waiting for Overwatch 2. I will 100% buy these comic books and put them on my shelf. Absolutely. That's all I got. <laughs> I I took the moment to eat something. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's oh, very man. unprofessional, but I'm so hungry. <laughs> uh, that's that's fair. Well, yeah. That's fair. We, let's start, switch to the next thing. Is We just got the third of the After Live shorts uh, last week, and I'm not going to talk about it too much because we did a pretty deep dive on it and Lorewatch this week. But I do want to mention that that means the fourth one is this week. Yeah. And that means when are we getting the pre-patch? Real uh, damn I had, soon. I had proposed we're going to get it next week. Basically, if you add 7 to 15, 
you get 21, I believe. No, 22. 7 plus 5 is, you know, 12. So, yeah. If tomorrow, if next week we got the pre-patch, it would be the 22nd, and that was what I had thought. And I think my reasons were pretty basic, because we thought there'd be, like, a month of, of pre-patch between, you know, before we actually went into Shadowlands, we'd have a month being level 50 doing stuff with the new systems, but not actually in Shadowlands yet. That's usually kind of how it goes. But, A, we've only seen a couple weeks of actual pre-patch stuff on the PTR. And two, no one said anything about, oh yeah, by the way, next week is it. You know, if you're doing something, get it done by Tuesday because next week we're going to the new systems. Usually they, they give us at least a little heads up. Yeah. I would expect a week or so of heads up. And we haven't gotten anything. So now I'm starting to think possibly the 28th, which is, you know, two weeks down the road. Uh, so I guess, basic, you know, go, go ahead. I was going to say, the, 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 me and my guildies were talking about this last night while we were doing uh, a bunch of uh, uh, content. And we were like, the, the pre-patch event has a ramp up, so they have to factor that in because the, the ghoul event even is, it's something that's going to get progressively worse until Shadowlands actually drops. Um and apparently, uh, according to chat here, they sent out emails today. Uh, so I will. Uh, okay. There was there any dates in? And I'm just asking chat. Were there dates in the email? Because I haven't gotten an email uh, yeah, from Blizzard. So I wasn't sure if they said it or were they just making note of what was going away. They didn't say when it was going away, right? Okay. Yeah. So that's they haven't given a date yet, but. I think there's at least what a three week ramp up time on the ghoul event. I See, that's the thing is they, they accelerated it on the uh, PTR. Yeah. How, so you how can't did it go really, through the PTR. They, they, they would just do it in like two days and then boom, the next part it was supposed to ramp up week by week. But again, I don't know how many weeks they wanted to do that. Cause there's only two weeks worth of questing. The, the big quest that kind of shows you stuff from the shadowlands. That quest only seems to have two weeks and that's it. So maybe maybe and, two to three weeks would probably be a safe bet then. I think two to three. And weeks the thing is, is after those two or... weeks, the, they unlock world quests. So there are world quests in Ice Crown after the second week. Does that mean we're going to have two weeks of doing world quests? Like, does it not mean that? I don't know the answer to these questions. Um, I just know that these questions are not answered. So if we're getting it next week, they have not said anything. If we are get if we aren't getting it next week. How you know they want this thing to come out at the end of October? Well, it comes out. Yeah, it's coming out on October twenty seventh. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say October fifth or sixth. Excuse me. I'm gonna say I think I think we don't get pre patch until October sixth. I think we get the warning on the the twenty eighth, twenty ninth, like you're saying that we will. Um, not a drop, but a warning saying, "Hey, you have seven days left." Um, or even before then, I think we get the drop that following week, the sixth, which gives us. Uh, one full week of that event, two full weeks of that event and questing, a third week to finish up anything else with any of the world quests and any of the pre-stuff, because the world quests will probably uh, have a thing where uh, you'll have some catch-up or something that they can do. Um, and then you have the 27th, which is that Tuesday after that. I think that math works out in my head. I think 21 days. But I could be wrong. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's a little short. 
but I mean, it could work. I mean, honestly, I don't know. But I do think it's interesting to, to note that this is the first time we've, I think this is the first time in a while we've been like still asking these questions this close to it coming out. Um, we knew for like both Legion and Battle for Azeroth, we knew pretty heavily in advance. So I do think it's interesting. Yeah, and, the, and for those in chat, I don't think they're ever going to do a Thursday drop. I think they're always going to try to put drops like that in the maintenance window. Anybody who's, ever, anybody who's ever done a software release, if you have a maintenance window, you put it in the maintenance window. Uh, because that is the time that you have all the rollbacks, you have everybody on hand and things like that. So if something does go sideways, you have everything you need and you have a plan in place. Especially because people are used to Tuesday downtime at this point. Um, I don't know if ever anybody remembers the good old days of Vanilla WoW, uh, where things would randomly go down for several days, and it wasn't a Tuesday, it wasn't planned server maintenance, it was, oh god, oh god, the server's on fire, we need to shut it down so we can fix it, and then put everything back up, and that could happen Friday night, Saturday night, who knows, uh, but yeah, so, we'll see, um, 29th is also a really good guess, it could be the 29th. We will find out, though. That's for sure. Yeah. But since Joe just gave me a perfect segue, I'm going to talk about WoW Classic because this actually happened. This this came out in August, um, but it's something I wanted to talk about for a while. And then we've had a lot of stuff happen since. So this is the first time in a while we've actually done top stories. So we missed a week and then we didn't do them last week. So here we go. AQ40 opened and within 40 minutes, they'd cleared the entire thing. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember this, but originally when AQ was out, oh, the, the best the best guild in the world at the time was Nihilum. And Nihilum, in order to beat Cthune in AQ40, to be world first to beat him, had to basically use a debuff that was stacked on the, the main tank by a pet. Not a hunter pet, what we now call battle pets, and back then they were just pets. He had to have it because it, when it was out, it would put a debuff on you. Mm-hmm. And because there was a limit back then to how many debuffs you could have, that debuff would push other debuffs off of you. So they could keep Cthune's buff, you know, debuff from stacking to a super high point that it would just one-shot people. And that's how they beat him. Because Nihilin were always doing this kind of thing. Ask me sometime about what Nihilin did against the Lich King. But regardless... That's it was it took, I think, almost a year, like from the time it came out, it, people were, try, were just beating their heads against the EQ and they couldn't kill Cthune forever. Mm-hmm. And now people have killed it in 40 minutes, 38 minutes. And that's what I'm never going to believe that WoW Classic is anything like it actually was to play in vanilla WoW. Yeah, it, just, it isn't, guys. This is not how it was. There was no such thing as a as a, a world first clear of of AQ forty in thirty eight minutes. That that did not happen. Yeah the the problem and I and I said this when I, when we started talking about WoW Classic when they were talking about bringing it back and doing the thing and I, and I got flamed for this and I still stand behind this statement. It will never be the same, and the reason I, I really hold true to that is. We have we're way more connected now than we ever were, but back then we have way more resources than we ever did. We have way more tribal knowledge than we ever did back then. I mean, you used to have to hunt through PHPB boards to find strats, right? Like, and as as Elaine of uh, Shallot 
is putting in the chat, you can't go home again. It's very true. It, WoW was a perfect storm of its time and of what was around it at the time. It, you're not going to get that again. You're not going to get that same just, grindy feeling. It's not gonna, it, else, it can never be the same. I'm also going to say this. The past 16 years, we have been playing a game that has trained us for astonishingly complex boss fights. Yeah. Way more complex than anything you're going to get in vanilla. Yeah, remember when they couldn't program that many things into a boss because it would bring down the world server? Not just that. I mean, that certainly is true. But just in general, quite frankly, in my opinion, World of Warcraft boss fights nowadays are a little too complex, and they need to calm down. But nevertheless, the amount of moving parts in just, you know, not the end boss of an expansion, literally any boss that you're going to fight, the amount of stuff going on is ludicrous. There's so many moving parts. I mean, I've seen fights described as, okay, this part's like this boss, this part's like this. People use vanilla fights to explain mm -hmm. current fights. Or they use vanilla fights to explain fights from, from like, Wrath and Cataclysm that they then use to explain current fights. Like, I remember just the Nazoth fight, trying to explain to people the Nazoth fight, and then go back and look at anything from from the classic era. Oh yeah, and we still we even now we're talking about we're talking about one of the upcoming fights, right? Uh in Castle why can't I think of the name of it now? Nathria, Castle Nathria. Nathria. Thank you. In Castle Nathria, there's a dance fight. And we're talking about, you know, how many times have we used the Heigen dance to explain other things? It's like, oh, it's like the Heigen dance, but this. You know, like we it's 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 really interesting to, the, to see the entire, exactly what you're saying. There, there's been, like, people have come in and come out of WoW. The churn, yeah. we've, churned we've churned players through this, basically this academy on ridiculously complicated dungeon fights, and then we set them loose on the original fights and that were not this complicated. And and just to throw it out there, if people are enjoying their, their time in, in Classic WoW, no slight against you. Like, I want to make that perfectly clear. If you are enjoying it and you're happy... I'm happy for you. It's just for for me personally, and I think for Matt too. It's just it's never going to have that same feeling for us. And I don't. And I think stuff like AQ40 being cleared in 38 minutes is proof that it's it can't be the same. No, and for that matter, does it necessarily need to be the same to be worth doing? That's a decision everyone's going to have to make for themselves. I think for a lot of people, the nostalgia value is quite strong, and they enjoy it on those merits. But for other players, they like it because they don't have nostalgia for it. I think for a lot of players, it's, it is simultaneously less complicated and still kind of new to them. Yeah. It's, they haven't done it. They didn't, they, you know, they heard about it, but by the time they started playing, wow, that, you know, the top level was level 80 or level 90 or level 100. And they, they, this stuff was just easily soloed. By the time they got to see it, they were literally walking through Molten Core, one-shotting everything. And Nax 40 has been gone since Wrath came out. When Nax 40 drops in WoW Classic, it will be the first time that Nax 40 has existed since Wrath of the Lich King launched. Since like 2008, I want to say? Yeah. Nax 40 has been gone longer than it existed. Yeah. By, by like a lot. So 
there are perfectly valid reasons to want to play WoW Classic. Sometimes I want to play WoW Classic, but it isn't what it isn't, and what it can never be is an actually faithful re recreation of that time period because we're not running computers from 2004 to 2008, mm -hmm. 2006. We're not we're not running the game on servers that were uh, existed in 2004 to 2006. Um, and we're not playing as people who live in 2004 to 2006. Um, I remember like desperately scouring Thoughtbot for the, like the location of like an item and you, there wasn't like, there were no complicated guides to anything. No, you like, know, no. So YouTube wasn't very... really a thing. Like, nope. People guarded just, their secrets. Like there wasn't like this open communication. Like we have YouTube, now. YouTube came out. If I'm not insane, YouTube came out in 2004. Like wasn't that the first year of YouTube? Or was it 2006? Uh, it was. It was around that. 2005, time. December 15th, 2005. So from the period of time where WoW first came out, if you wanted to host a video, I think it had to go to Machinima.com. Like yeah. I think the think there was any place to put it and the compression guys, or, or, you don't even... or you hosted it yourself. Like we did, like we used to, we, yeah. we used to stand up server boxes to host our I kill just, videos and stuff. I, I wish I would love for you guys to go back and look at some of the first wow videos, like from Nax, the original Nax 40, the compression on those videos. It's like, it's like watching soup fight. Oh my God. I got it up to 480. This is, I could see yeah. everything. It yeah, was it, oof. So yeah, there's there's a, it's a different world, and I don't think that that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. No, it's but, just different. That's all. But I think I think that covers that. I mean, we could probably talk more about our feelings on WoW Classic for probably a couple hours. I don't think like I said I don't have negative feelings about it, and I want that to be clear. Yeah, but I I definitely don't think it is any way, shape, or form a replication of of the game as it was. And that's probably for the best. Cause I don't think people would like that. However, it's getting fairly late. I want to try and get this one last one. This one's just one that, that I put up because uh, Liz, our editor uh, asked me to revise a post I had written about Diablo immortal. The post I wrote about Diablo immortal back in 2019, because we still don't know when Diablo immortal is coming out. <laughs> we still have no release date. We have no beta date. They, they had said earlier this year, before everything went nuts, they had said that they were going to be starting regional testing in, in summer of 2020. It's September of 2020. Now, I understand that some stuff has happened. I'm not saying that it's surprising that they didn't do the regional testing, that they're still... What we got this year, we got two pieces of information about Diablo Immortal this year. We, we got that thing telling us there would be testing this year. Then the world went insane. Then back in, I think, August, China Joy got a gameplay trailer, which was not substantially different than any previous game gameplay trailer you might have seen because it looked just like the, the betas that mm -hmm. they've run since 2018. They've run two betas at BlizzCons. And then they did a post. And I don't want to beat up on anybody who wrote this post. I don't have a problem with the post. But the post is basically a post that says, by the way, guys, we're still working on Diablo Immortal. Please don't panic. And by the end of it, all we know is that we have no idea when Diablo Immortal is coming out. I, I have some speculation as to why we're not hearing a whole lot about it, but I don't well, want sure, to. Sure, go for it. So th 
technology-wise, server-wise, internet-wise, there's not a whole lot about it in the news because everything is obviously about, like, yeah, I'm just waving my hand at the general state of the world and, and everything else. Um, I think their main markets, the technology has been shifting so much that I don't know if they, I don't think they know if they can release it there. Like, end of the day, Diablo Immortal, uh, we're not the primary market, and, and that's fine, right? But... I think it's going to be contingent highly upon when they can release it in the Asian markets. And with everything shifting and moving like it is out there technology-wise and ISP-wise and server-wise and all of the rules that are changing around that, I think it keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back because of that. Um, like you're mentioning that they've only run a couple demos and it's basically the same demos. It might be because they don't want to push too hard to get people too excited about it when they don't know when they're going to put it out. Um, yeah, it should be pointed out that they effectively NetEase, which is the company yep. that did most of the work in terms of the, the engine and the mechanics and so forth. They they said at an earnings call in, in March of 2019, we're done with this. Yeah. We've handed it over to Blizzard. Blizzard has it. It's up to them when they do when they do whatever with it. And they're in, and they're in what Guangzhou, China, I think it is. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. I apologize yeah. for anybody out there who knows how to pronounce it the right way. I'm sorry. Yeah, NetEase is a, is a Chinese is a company. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, so when that gets settled, then we'll probably hear something more. I mean, you know, who knows if the, if that is the reason? You know, and it might I, be, and it might not. Be, like I said, honestly, wild no. speculation. But anyway, I thought that was interesting, and it's worth mentioning because, yeah, still no idea. But at this point, we are going to move on to do some emails and some questions from y'all. Um, we took questions this week. We took questions from both our Discord channels, uh, and we took questions from our emails. So if you have a question for the show, uh, there's two ways to get it to us. First is to go to Discord. There's a patron Q and podcast questions channel, which we look at first, because if you're a patron, that's one of the benefits is you get your questions answered first. Um, then there's a simple Q questions channel, which is not patron locked, but we still look at it because even if you're not a patron, you're important to us. Uh, we want to try to get your questions in. If you're not big on either of those options, you can email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show. I skipped a question. I really wanted to answer because it was specifically a lower wedge question. So Aww. that was me. That was me being nice. Aww. Uh, but now. Joe is going to read these for us, so if you don't mind, Joe. Not at all. Uh, our first question comes from Klugen, or Klugen. I'm going to go with Klugen, because I think it sounds better. Uh, if that's not your name, I'm sorry. And, and for those of you that send stuff, if you want us to pronounce your name in a specific way, please give me a pronunciation with it. Uh, given how much the Naru seemed to criticize us in Legion for killing Illidan in Black Temple, was the fact that it was Adal who sent us to Black Temple and Ziri who supported us in the final fight ever addressed? I, no. No, because it was Zira, and I don't think it's not really fair to say Zira was criticizing us so much as Zira was trying to get us to look at Illidan differently. Yeah, and that was because Zira wanted to turn Illidan into a weapon, and therefore wanted us to help her get him. You know, this she, is his goal, he's his he's goal. been born for this purpose. He's going to be the only thing that can save us, but only if we do it this way. Yeah, it was all a sales pitch. And keep in mind that you know. One of the interesting things about Illidan's life is that he did, you know, he was born with the golden eyes. He was considered, there were, there were two night elves of, of note we can think of who were born with golden eyes and said to have a great destiny. 
Azshara. One of them was Ashara, and the other was Illidan. And Ashara is much older than Illidan. She was like ruling way before he was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure in the Night Elf society of that time to live up to your destiny. And with you born with these golden eyes, it's, it's people don't realize this. Malfurion's eyes turned gold. And so that's kind of a hint that destiny can be earned. And that's something that's interesting about Illidan is he's constantly saying the hand of fate must be forced. You know, he's, he doesn't want destiny handed to him. He doesn't want it on other people's terms. His entire refusal of zero was that she wanted him to do it a very specific way. And he wasn't on board with it. We don't know what Adal and the faction of Naru that were with him thinks about Zira. We've never been able to talk to Adal about it. Clearly Adal and Zira were not working together. Zira took the light forged and went off on her crusade. Mm-hmm. And Adal, you know, was not part of that. Yeah, for all the for all the uh, things you want to say about the uh, the Naru, they're not exactly united in path. I guess and that's, also, to put it. that's the other thing too. There's, I, I don't know if we want to go into spoilers for Shadowlands here. But I, there, I think I'm we're gonna beyond, say this much. beyond warning at this point. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this because this isn't Lore Watch. There are hints that there's forces that are beyond the Naru. Mm-hmm that the Naru, I don't want to say work for, but the Naru are associated with. And it definitely feels like there's factions among them. There's no, for all that the light seems to be about that whole idea, there's one true path. The Naru do not seem to always agree on what that path is. And Zira feels much more aggressive and militant than, than Adal. Adal tried to deal with Zilladon. Adal tried not to kill him. You know, originally there wasn't like it was Illidan's forces that attacked Shatrath, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. The Naru didn't show up on Outland and immediately go after Illidan. Illidan went after them. So there is that to be considered. It's it's not as cut and dried as you know these Naru told us to kill him, but this Naru thinks it was a bad idea. It's more like these Naru were like, look, he's got to be stopped, and this Naru's like, no, he's the destined champion. You just got to turn him into the destined champion that he was destined to be the champion of. Whether or not he wants to be is immaterial to me. There's there's a lot of interesting there's subtlety to that that I honestly hope they do play up more in the future. I want to see more of that with the light. The idea of you can have disagreements, you can believe this one true path and yet not agree on what it is. Yeah, which I think I think that's the interesting point. I think that's one of the most interesting things about the Naru in general, and I think it's something that I don't think gets enough discussion in whenever we talk about the light and the Naru in specific. It's Every Naru you've ever encountered, when have they ever been unified? When have they ever been on the same path? They're not. They're all. They all seem to have like they understand what the end goal is, or at least maybe what their purpose is. I, I often, I often joke about uh, you know comparing the the cosmic universe of WoW to sort of like computer programming, but the Naru sort of are that right? They get they they're programs that run and then are just set. Uh, we used to do this back in college when we would, you know, have a, an end goal in mind and not be told how to get there. And we'd have to come up with a program to figure out how to get there. And you could have a room full of, of 150 people and you'd have 150 different programs. Like it would get to the same point. It would, you know, it would still say hello world in some capacity, but 
yeah, it's, I think Naru are fascinating in that way. And I would I can't wait to see more of that. I want to see more of these factions, these disagreements, these interactions between other Naru, because that's the other thing, too. How often have we seen multiple Naru interacting with each other? It's it's not often. Usually they're solitary beings that yeah. we interact with. Like the ones that the ones that came with uh, the there's the one Oros who came with the Draenei. He was part of the faction that Adal was leading. Muru was part of the faction that Adal was leading. So we have some some Naru that were part of like a singular faction, the faction that ran Shadrath, the faction that originally had Tempest Keep. Tempest Keep was their ship. Um, it's fairly clear that it's possible that Zira was part of that faction and went off on her own. For one thing, the ship that we're see, we see her using is like a, it's like a satellite structure of Tempest Keep. Like the Genadar is, it's not as big as Tempest Keep. It's as big as one of the satellite structures. It's roughly equivalent to the Exodar or, you know, the Architraz. It looks roughly the same. So that's the first thing we noticed. Secondly, Oros was a descendant of Zera. Mm-hmm. She was a Naru Prime and he was one of her descendants. What does that mean to them? We, we've never figured that out. We don't know what it means to be for a Naru to be descended. Like, do they bud? Do they like, does one of those crystal things come off and then grow into a new core and become a, a, a Naru? I don't know. Yeah, we've no never idea. been told. But it, it's interesting to think about the fact that if Zero is a Naru Prime, it seems almost, almost impossible that Adal isn't. Yeah. But we don't know that he is. At no point has they said Adal is a Naru Prime. It's quite possible that Zira was, you know, an antecedent to all of them. So there's a lot to it. I would like to see more about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a good opportunity where we, we probably will. Uh, I think we can move on to our next one. Hey, gang, I know I'm a Death Knight and all, but Ursok. Wow. Oh, it's Lord Soth, by the way. I'm not super well-versed in druid lore, so please fill me in if my assumptions are incorrect. Druid shapeshifting, in my head, it's tied to the Wild Gods. So bear form would come from Ursoc's influence on the Night Elves. So here's my two questions. Is Ursoc gone forever now? If so, does this somehow affect druid shapeshifting into bear form? As I said, I don't know much about druid lore. It's one of my least liked classes mechanically. So please, fill me in. Well, I wrote a thing that I don't know when it'll go live, but I wrote it today. Um, first of all, there were two bear gods. Ursal, Ursoc Ursoc. and Ursal. Yep. And I'll, I'll be up front with you guys. I got really sad thinking about Ursal right now. Because Ursoc and Ursal, some of the wild gods are different. Like, the, the wild gods and the Loa and the, the Ancients and the, the August Celestials, there's a lot of different ways, but a lot of the, the, um, the ancient protectors, the ancient guardians seem to have been born as regular animals first. And in the story of Ursoc and Ursal, they were like two bear cubs who were born together and just exploring what is now the Grizzly Hills. And, you know, it's like you can practically hear the nature documentary going. Like, these two little cubs are playing in the Grizzly Hills. And, like, you know, and Freya comes upon these two who are like, even though they're just cubs, like there's terrifying monsters and probably dinosaurs because you know, whatever. Dinosaurs. Terrifying monsters wandering the place and these two little bears won't back down and they're they're brave and curious and she sees in them the seed of their future greatness and I'm sitting there going, I just realized that Ursal has lived Ursal and Ursoc lived together 
and fought side by side for untold thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Always knowing that they would never be separated. If one of them died, they'd both die and they'd both go to, to the you know great forest and then they'd come back. And so up until Ursoc's followers got impatient and tried to resurrect him with a giant tree planted by some idiot night elves um, and, and got them, cor- got Ursoc corrupted by the, you know, the old gods, which led to us killing Ursoc and him having to go back early. And so Ursoc was still around in our world, but Ursoc was dead for a while. And then finally we go and we try and free Ursoc from the old corruption of the old gods, but he gets sucked in again. And then we kill him again and send him back. So Ursul is basically just sitting around waiting and he's never going to see his brother again. And he might not even know what happened to him. Just he'll never come back. And so this, this little cub who was born alone, just, just with his brother for companionship for untold thousands of years, who grew up into this mighty protector of the world will never see his other self ever again. He'll never see his shadow. He'll never see the brother he slept with when he was a baby. He is never going to see him again, and he might not even know why. Yeah, and that's Just that's the worst back. about it, right? Like, so I'm sorry if you if you can sit there and think about that, and you don't get a little wibbly, you're dead inside. That's because I'm dead it, inside, it, and I'm getting wibbly. We we talked about it on Lore Watch a lot, and you know, go listen to that. It, we we gave a lot of insight. It hit me really really hard and like i said in chat when i saw that happen that's one of the things i thought about and it hit me so hard i actually screamed loud enough my neighbor asked me if i was okay like that's how bad it was but it's it's devastating because we don't know either what's going to happen and that's the worst part of it because right now the way that it's presented is that ursoc is gone forever that that there is no coming back we don't know uh that there's any way we can bring him back reshape him or do anything and but but obviously now to answer your question even if and i don't know that Mm -hmm. we can make the case that druid stuff because for instance um gonk was the one who showed trolls how to do druidism i think once you've been shown how to do it you just can't do it yeah yeah it's it's so even if even if that were the case if there was just the one very ancient they would probably still be able to shapeshift. But there are two of them, and Ursal is still around. We see Ursal in Legion. Ursal helps us get to Ursoc so we can get the claws of Ursoc. Um, Ursal was always the bit more contemplative of the two. He was more the, I want to eat some honey type bear, whereas Ursoc was the, how about we kill some things first? Could there be honey after we kill things? Sure. Yeah, there's probably some honey around here somewhere. Just, just kill that. Okay. Um, and I'm kind of playing this up, but nevertheless, the two of them fought side by side. The two of them were both bear gods. It's there's still a bear god. There's still a bear ancient in the world. So even if if you were right in your supposition, which I don't believe is the case, yeah, I agree. There's still somebody to teach it. But I mean, we've seen a lot of Loa get taken out, and there's still Zandalari druids who can take all sorts of Loa forms. And I don't feel like. It doesn't seem like they're worried that, oh, now there's nobody to teach me how to be spiky armadillo di- dinosaur um, ankylodons. Spe- in fact, I don't even think we ever even see an ankylodon ancient or, no, or Loa. Don't. I don't think that, you know, but nevertheless, people know how to do it. So, yeah, I think druids will be fine in that regard. 
but I'm sure a lot of druids are really upset or will be upset when they find out. Like, finding out that Ursoc's reward for all his years of service for the many, many times that he came forward to defend Azeroth knowing it would kill him is eternal destruction would be devastating. I mean, if you look at that short, Malfurion is freaking heartbroken. And he knew he had to do it. You know what I mean? It's not like he he want he didn't want to do it, but he knew he had to. But he thought at least that Ursoc would be back someday. You know, it wasn't this wasn't the end. It was just the end of a chapter, and now it's the end. And they might not even know that it's the end. They, who knows when people will find out? So yeah, there's there's a lot. You know, I I I, I feel real bad for Ursol right now, who's got like a thirty thousand year relationship that just ended that he'll never he doesn't even know has ended yet and uh just to kind of interject before we move on to the next question uh auto luke in chat said uh you know is this what sylvanas is trying to set us free from which is you know ursak going smiling into the dream pod and then uh, all of a sudden his his little dream pod is is no more uh because his essence has been taken away in order to save other parts of Ardenweald. and absolutely that's what she's saving us from that problem that she created herself because i know when i want praise i just create a fire and then put it out and want everybody to love me because i put out the fire that i created after it burned down everything after it burned down everything look at me i'm so great yeah i i <laughs> i have strong it's not, feelings it's, about it's, that. it's not a compelling argument it's it's not. I will uh, free you from this problem that I caused. <laughs> uh, all right, our next one. Hi, gentlemen. Uh, I've been soloing old raids for Transmog, and while doing so, I've come across a couple lore-related questions that hopefully you can answer. Uh, first, when in the Emerald Nightmare, when you come upon Ilganoth, he says, your coming was foretold in the rings. His prophecies seem to be pretty accurate, so it would be interesting to know where he is getting some of his info from. So what rings is he referring to? Uh, second, uh, when in Sunwell Plateau, there are blood elves called Shadow Sword Soulbinders, and a quick glance at Wildhead shows that there are a number of different Soulbinder mobs on alternate Draenor. Do you think these have any connection to the Shadowlands? If so, would there be a reason why Soulbinders are more prevalent on alternate Draenor? Thanks for the podcast. You helped deepen my love of WoW. And this is from Wart, uh, from Windrunner US. Um... I don't know what rings he's referring to. He might be referring to, like, didn't they corrupt the discs of Narganon at one point with false information or just uh, more the information? Disc, yeah, the discs of Narganon actually have some fake stuff in them created by uh, Loken to make himself look good when the Titans eventually came back and looked at what he'd been doing. Uh, but that's I don't think that's it. I think that there's a lot of... If you go back and look at the part where Ilganoth first shows up uh, when the Emerald Nightmare first you know, the raid is first seen. There's a lot of stuff in there that's connected to the idea of prophecy as a cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, um, if you go to Karazhan at that time, the, the, the return to Karazhan dungeon, Medivh talks about cycles and rings and, you know, completing the circle and so forth. Rings, circles, cycles gets talked about a lot. And I think that's more related to that than it is to a specific item. But I mean, it's also, isn't there something about drowned in the circle of, of the circle of stars? Uh, one of the, one of the prophecies says something along those lines. Yeah. You will drown in a sea of stars. Or, yeah. yeah. So I don't think it's sea. I think it's circle. It might be a circle of stars. Yes. It was circle of stars. Yeah. So that gets, 
I think a lot of it is that there's that whole concept of the old gods, you know, they do not live, they do not die. They are outside the cycle and that's a problem for them. Death itself, like the forces of death, they, they have a problem with the, death itself. They have no problem with the old gods don't seem to care about it in the slightest, but they're very concerned about things that can violate it. And a lot of the forces we're seeing now in the Maw, that's exactly what they do. They violate the order of life and death. Um, they, they create the undying. And that's a real problem for the old gods for some reason, which we never figured out why. The old gods, the, we saw when Sylvanas and Illyria met again in the Three Sisters comic, the void entities that kind of constantly whisper to Illyria went ape. They were like, killer, killer now. They don't like Sylvanas. Whatever she's doing, whatever she has been doing, they definitely have a problem with it. And now that we know some stuff about like infiltration that's going on from the Shadowlands, it's quite possible that the old gods are the only ones who really understand what's happening. Because as, as is pointed out, they see like all possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so they know what, what these things are doing. That could be, in fact, the source of it. Like the whole idea of the, you know, the cycle, the ring, the the circle of events, is how Ilganoth perceives time. The the closed loop, right? Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe there is just a magic ring somewhere that they're using to do prophecies. I got, but there's nothing in the game currently that gives us any more specifics to tell you. Essentially, you you know as much as we do. There is nothing further in game that explains that line. Well, we can speculate on it, but we can't tell you. We don't you know. Could be the cycle, the discipline again, and it could just be the cyclical nature of time. It could be there's a magic ring somewhere that someone's staring into. Honestly, don't know. But uh, for the second question, well, you should go first on the second question. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. That's actually a really good question. There's been a lot of soul soul binding things throughout history in WoW. Um, most common, I believe that was what they actually called original warlocks binding with their demons. It was forming a soul bind. I don't have the original, uh, book that came with the wow, uh, game with me. Uh, currently I have it somewhere on my shelves, but I think they, they mentioned something about that there. Uh, there's been, oh, soul binders have been a thing for, for, in, in different capacities, it is possible that there is a connection to the Shadowlands, that they might have learned some of that magic uh, or some of that from those. Uh, and also something to consider is there is a little bit of that in how demon hunters act as well, where they're literally consuming or fighting against a demon's essence to bind it to their service, uh, essentially, right? So... I, there's nothing specifically that says something that it's linked with the Shadowlands, but it would make sense, especially with Draenor. Uh, if you're coming from a society that, or, or a planet that is known for ancestor worship, that understands souls, and we were talking about this a little bit on the pre-show, has a rich history of shamanism, regardless of what race they are, you're going to interact at some point, you're going to get an idea about it. And, I mean, Blood Elves are, aren't exactly known for being gentle when it comes to taking other uh, other societies' magics into consideration or, you know, subsuming to their own needs. So and also, something we should point out, in both cases, in both the uh, the Sunwell and in Alternate Draenor, the Legion is involved. Yeah. The Legion has a great amount of soul-binding technology. They have the soul engines that they feed souls into. Um, 
and they use souls as fuel. They, they convert them into fell. They, they annihilate the spirit. And essentially, now that we know about the premise of Shadowlands, and we've seen this stuff mentioned enough times, it seems pretty obvious the Legion destroys anima and turns it into fell. It seems to be the basis of how warlock magic works. That's why warlock magic poisons the world it's used mm-hmm, on. Mm-hmm. If you've got a like, if you're playing a warlock, you are murdering Azeroth. Look at Felwood. Look at original yeah. Felwood. Yeah, I mean, it's just what warlock magic does. It is cor- it inherently corruptive and destructive. It's what happened to our Draenor. It got poisoned by by warlock magic. The, it, the the world lost the ability to grow the spirit of the planet, which was so prevalent. Remember that originally Draenor was so full of spirit that the plant life on it, you know, grew monstrous and had to be controlled. Um, but with the presence of Fell, the world got poisoned and corrupted and couldn't grow food anymore. That's what Fell does. And I think it is basically pretty established that Fell is created in this case by the destruction of Anima. You're, you're literally tearing the ability, the, the, the magical power that would create and sustain new life is being pulled out of the planet and used for power. And so that's that's something the Legion has been doing forever. They've got the soul engines. They've been doing that to souls. Uh, it's something that they, they can even they can even bind a soul straight to the nether. Which they've done. And that's, which turns you into a demon. If you look at um, Kil'jaeden or Archimonde, that's what happened to them. They weren't, they weren't Draenei anymore. I mean, they never were. They were Eridar. But the Eridar people changed into Monary. They changed into demons. And and how did they, they learn how to do that? Possibly from the yeah, from the Legion. And the Nathrazim, in fact, may be the source of the Legion's knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that the Nathrazim had a big, you know, role to play in the foundation of the Legion. And now that we know what we know about the p- potential of the Nathrazim to be something else. It's quite possible the entire Legion only exists because the forces of death wanted something that would rampage through the universe and kill everything. I mean, that would probably tip the scales and benefit of death pretty effectively. If everybody's dying, you know, there's something to consider too. If, if you wanted to basically channel all the power of all these dead souls into your plan to escape the Maw, you might want to create a big cosmic war first. Get yourself a lot of dead people. Yeah. But Which at any rate, exactly what it's, they did. it's not... I don't think it's, it doesn't have to be directly linked to the Shadowlands. It's just the, the item, the, the practice in question is very important in the Shadowlands because that's where most of the souls go. Wow. I messed up that sentence, but nevertheless, uh, yeah. So I don't think necessarily it's that Draenor is more linked to the Shadowlands. I think it was that the Legion was present and the Legion does a lot of hinky, awful stuff to souls. Yep, sorry. Uh, one of the things we were talking about in chat here while Matt was going on is that uh, we were talking about Redemption Arc for Souls, uh, and I, I guess I'll interject this because I think it's actually rather interesting, um, is that there's a lot of people who talk about Redemption Arcs for like Arthas and things like that. Um, he, he's, I, I think he's not redeemable. Um, I, I don't want him to be redeemable, and I think it's important that he isn't redeemable because he made those choices without really any influence other than here's the situation what do you want to do like he wasn't led to a burning building and given only like 
you know, flash bombs to throw inside and say, oh, this will suck the air out. No, he had choices and he chose poorly, right? And then the comparison that people make and, and Otto Luke made this is that, you know, uh, you know, he's redeemable, that, that Arthur is redeemable the same way Medivh was. Medivh was, he had Sargeras inside of him from the time he was born. He always had another thing influencing him. A lot of his decisions weren't his own. He lost time. There are points where he didn't remember what he was doing. Like, they've made that perfectly clear multiple times. It's not the same thing. Um, Medivh can I, read... I, I, I'm not going to argue with you just for the sake of arguing with you, but I'm going to argue with you because I think there's an interesting point to be made here. Sure. Arthas, I will say that Arthas's first real act that, that set him on the wrong path was after he barely survived a un, unstoppable wave of undead that destroyed most of the people he was with and completely destroyed a village. And he saw it happen. He saw the tainted grain yeah. kill those people. And then he goes to Stratholme and Uther and Jaina, who weren't there with him, and I think there's a, there's an element of trauma here to be considered in that he he saw himself fail so utterly, and I, I I saw people today in our work chat talking about Arthas as a jock from an 80s movie, and I think there is some from room for that in that he was the son of the king, he'd never really known failure. Yeah, he was the popular kid. He never really had anything bad happen in his life. I mean, his sister had a bad thing happen once, and he did he felt bad about it, and his horse died, but the horse died because of him, and he didn't you know. So there's there's an element of not wanting to prove himself, wanting to not be wrong. I honestly think, though, Stratholme is a really weird way to set him on his path because what option did he actually have? The only option that he was given, other than just go in and kill everybody, was what? Contain the whole city? With I mean, what? The with fact with what had... forces? He didn't I mean, have enough forces to contain the city. He had a mage with him who said, can you go back to Dalaran and get some mages here to help me build a bubble or something? Make a and, wall and, of and ice? In one amount of time, you know that it's going to be happening. He just saw this. He knew it was going to be happening within minutes. Man, if only teleportation was instantaneous. It, and to do what? They're gonna, are you gonna, they're gonna, they've already showed that they don't care. They sent her out here to basically, eh, yeah, she, Jaina can go. They've, and when the, when the prophet went to his father and said, "You got to deal with this. It's for real." He's like, "No, I don't believe in you." So, what are what are your actual options here? What are his options? And plus, at that moment, do we actually know that in the the game's lore that Jaina could teleport back to Dalaran? Did her and Uther teleported out of there? Yeah. They, they literally that's what they did in the game. Like if okay. you go back to I'll, Warcraft I'll, three, they I'll, they they mass teleported. That was an Archmage thing back then. Okay, so yeah, she could have gone to Dalaran, but he still has only minutes. Is she going to get to Dalaran, go to the council, and say, okay, we've got like three minutes. You've got to come now, and we've got to completely contain Stratholm because it's full of the plague. Are they going to do it? Are they even going to listen? But not the, my, I guess I'm my, not point... Saying, my point isn't that you're wrong. My point is just that this is the moment where there's no really good option, and Jaina and Uther's responses to him aren't, hey, hold on. I got an idea. We can do this. They're just, this is monstrous. You can't do it. And he's standing there like, you got a suggestion? You got well, I agree. I agree. And that's one of the interesting things about Arthas. Up until he touches Frostmourne, you watch his moral degeneration. Because the guy at Stratholme isn't doing this stuff because he enjoys it or wants to do it. But he's very much making the wrong decisions. 
it's when he gets to Northrend that you watch him go bad because it's in Northrend that he does. There's no reason for him to be there other than he wants vengeance for having been made to feel bad. And that's the thing. He turned it into being about him. Yeah. That's the point where there's no redemption. He turned the horror and death that he was witnessing and experiencing into being about him. And I get why, because he was traumatized by what happened. Oh, yeah. I want to say tears hand. I think it was hearth Glen. Hearth Glen. It's hearth Glen where he sees that happen and he's alone. If Uther had said, you know, son, you need to step back and let me handle this. You are not in a good place to handle this. And, and had managed to get through to him. Uther might've been saved. I mean, uh, Arthas might have been saved, but from the point where he starts wiping out cities because he's upset, that's the real flaw. It's not that he did, he made the wrong choice at Stratham. I don't think he had a good choice to make. Um, he could have, if he had it literally said, okay, Jana, go back to Dalaran and get people within minutes, the, the city would have been swarming with undead and he would have had to go in anyway. So that's not my problem. My problem is how it was always about him. Not his kingdom. He said it was about his kingdom and his people, but you he's so angry that he's being mocked. Yeah. And it's again, it's a Nathrazim doing this. Which remember that. It's a Nathrazim. It it is. It is a Nathrazim doing this from the very, very beginning. It's a fascinating position. Like I, I will always say this about Arthas. I I hate what he became but that was kind of the point of it. That was the point of his character. He became exactly what he needed to, to be become our villain. But I like how that happened. I like the fact that he is in that position of becoming irredeemable. And And a redemption arc for Arthas, basically I keep going back to Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic two, because Kreia says it beautifully. Redemption is an act of spiritual collapse. Mm -hmm. Arthas redeemed is Arthas broken because he'd have to be broken to accept that he was so wrong and that everything he did was wrong. I don't honestly, for me, a better story for Arthas would be if at the end of this expansion, Arthas takes the jailer's job. Yeah. I, I was, I was saying that earlier today, like that instead of like Sylvanas taking the job or, or, you know, instead of like we talked about before about Bolvar sitting on that throne at the end, because there must always be a jailer. No, that becomes Arthas. Arthas had that crown for so long. Like, and that's one thing I really want to see. It's not a redemption arc. It's a, this is my penance. This is what I must do. I understand the weight and gravity of my choices. I understand exactly what I did and why it was wrong. And now it's time for me to make others understand their irredeemable choices. Because that's what the Maw is presented to us as. The ones that can't let go of their sin. The ones that don't have that same sense of pride or can't let go of themselves. Uh, the ones that aren't fit for rebirth to go back to their their planets uh, or the realms of existence like they're the ones that don't fit into the cycle for whatever reason and Arthas doesn't fit into the cycle anymore because he's broken the maw is full of broken things you go through even the, the things you fight they're not graceful they're not these beautiful fluffy soft things no these are broken 
absolutely terrible creatures that look like they're mashed together. The souls that you interact there are screaming in agony, not because somebody is torturing them, but because they're so blasted. Like there's and some mild spoilers here, but I think this this is fascinating if it's into it. There's a point where you have to go and it's real early on, so it's not going to be much of a spoiler, but it's it's a fetch quest, and it's fetch ten souls. It doesn't matter what covenant you're in, you have to go do this at some point. It's just a thing. It's, it's your introduction to the mechanic of here's how you spend anima, right? And you find these soul wells. They're literally called soul wells, uh, which we've seen other places. Hmm. Black Temple, maybe? Um that there's this amalgamation of shattered animal pieces, shattered souls that are like cobbled together in a monstrosity. And like, that's the, the point of the all. This is where the broken things go. And Arthas being broken, because that's exactly what happened to him. Oh, excuse me. I'm getting so excited here. What that's exactly what happened to him. He can understand what the purpose is. Like, him sitting on there, him taking over the jailer's role would be perfect, in my opinion, because, again, it's not a redemption arc. It's the start of his martyrdom. It's the start of of his penance. It's the start of his self-flagellation of I'm broken. I belong here and I need to make sure that the other things that are broken and belong here stay here like that, I think, is fine. I think that would work incredibly well. Sorry, I got real excited there for a minute. Matt, Matt, Matt got me no, that's fine. <laughs> but I think at this point we are pretty much done with the show unfortunately which means we'll roll over the emails we have left we, we still have a few uh, but if you've got a question for the show please uh, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com uh, with the subject line podcast at blizzardwatch or uh, you can use our discord we've got two channels there for you uh, Joe usually has a little thing to say at the end so I'm going to toss it over to him Fantastic. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Um, also, I mentioned this on Lore Watch, and I'm going to mention it here. I know times are tough all over. Uh, we are all struggling with the way that the world is right now, and I know financials are tight for everybody, but if you're listening to us here, uh, if you're here part of the live show and you're not a patreon supporter you might want to consider joining one of our tiers the only way we get to make content like this like lore watch like our our dnd games that we do uh, and all the wonderful daily posts that we put up for everyone is through the support of the community um, your three dollars a month if you can swing it is our podcast here it gives you early access to literally every podcast we produce doesn't matter what it is you get early access to it um can, in the more that we can do in that like the, the more our levels grow if we can get a little bit ahead we might be able to expand that i'm not promising anything but it gives us the option to do that um so if you're not a patron supporter please consider even if it's a dollar a month it may not seem like a lot to you but if a bunch of people do that it supports you know us recording this it supports the overhead cost of of hosting and it supports the overhead cost of editing and, and everything else so for those of you that are with us thank you very much for those of you that are considering it Thank you very much. And for those of you that join us live and contribute, whether it's your subscriptions through the Twitch uh, subscription or, or your Prime subscription, thank you very much. We couldn't do this without you.
I mean, we could, but it would not work. We'd just be us talking randomly to strangers in public, and they'd be like, who are you? This is an Arby's. So, yeah, that, that's, that's why it's very important that you help us. <sighs> and, and also, I don't want to get kicked out of Arby's again. It's really annoying. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here with us. Uh, we do appreciate it. Um, I'm going to go get some to eat because I just talked about fast food a lot. And now I'm hungry. Uh, <laughs> hoping you all doing okay. Uh, we'll be here next week. 